What's up? This is Patrick. Welcome to the Double ETF Podcast, Episode 8. I hope you guys are doing great. Before we get on my conversation with uh, Carly, I need to give you a little more context, just in case. When this was recorded, Trump was still technically president. So there's a comment about that. It's not about Biden, it's about Trump. And just wanted to clear that up. And also, I talk about um, how Patrick Bateman was in the book uh, Less Than Zero. That's not true. Bateman was in um, The Rules of Attraction, not Less Than Zero. And uh, yeah, that's it, pretty much. So uh, yeah, we talked about sports, travel, some cities, some uh, cities in Europe. And yeah, it was, a, it was a fun time. So I hope you enjoy. And without further ado, here it is, my conversation with Carly Anderson. All right, so with me today, I have Carly Anderson from Denver. Hi, how are you? I'm great today, Patrick. How are you? Ah, good, good. So uh, we know each other from the Name That Tune weekly quiz. Why don't you tell us a little bit about uh, yourself? Sure. Uh, let's see. So uh, yeah, I live in Denver, Colorado. I have three kids. I uh, work... Um, and uh, I work for a building materials company, um, which doesn't sound terribly exciting, but it's actually a really cool job because I get to travel all over the world. Um, I get to visit operations and investors um, through what I do. So when it's not COVID and we're able to travel, I have a pretty great gig. And right now that gig is mostly uh, at home or at my office, and that's been fine. I'm originally from Alliance, Ohio, which is a town of about 15,000 people, but I left there when I was 17 and uh, never returned. So <laughs> I'm pretty much a Denver native. At this point, I've lived here longer than any other place I've ever lived. So have you lived elsewhere than Ohio and Denver? Yes. Uh, let's see. I spent a, a year between high school and college. I was an exchange student and I was in the French speaking part of Belgium. I was in the Ardennes, nice. um, which was wonderful. It was life, life changing. Um, and then, uh, in college, I lived in Southeast Ohio, um, Athens, Ohio, went to Ohio university. Um, and then, uh, also I lived in Philadelphia where I went to graduate school. I went to, um, the Wharton school at the university of Pennsylvania. So I was right in center city, Philly for a couple of years. And then also did a stint in New York working in investment banking, um, before moving to Denver. And what did you study in uh, Philadelphia? Uh, finance. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. Like an MBA type thing? Yes. Or? Okay. Yeah, it's it's an MBA program. It's a very good MBA program, but uh, our America's current president went through that program and that school. <laughs> so I, I don't usually tell people that that's <laughs> where I went to school anymore. It used to be, it used to carry a lot of weight, but I've really... Um, I really downplayed that the last uh, four or so years. <laughs> oh, wow. Well, maybe at some point it will regain its uh, standard, you know, <laughs> or <That's> standing. Exactly <laughs> right. You know, it's Hopefully. funny. I think that um, I, I look back on it now, and I mean, you always put things in its um, in the context of today, right? But I think a lot of America's value system issues emanate from the thinking that they teach at that school. So. Because they, they teach you three things. They teach you shirking, poaching, and opportunistic renegotiation. And a lot of finance, but <laughs> okay. it's like those three things. Like, it's a very tough um, environment, right? It's, um, it's not for the faint of heart. And you definitely learn how to be a very tough business person there. Um, so, and how to kind of bend the rules sometimes. 
So I don't know um, if it will regain its luster. It might be gone forever, but that's okay. <laughs> we <laughs> need to move now, on as a country yes, from this. We do. Right? I agree. <laughs> but can you tell me in a few words what uh, shirking is? <laughs> I've shirking seen the word means, before. Oh, I've yes. seen the word before, but, uh, you <laughs> yes. know. Shirking is getting other people to do your work for you or not doing oh. the work and saying you did the work. Okay. And they teach yeah. you that. <laughs> that's what they, that's the, that's the joke is that oh, um, because okay. a lot of people, cause there's a, you know, I went there, I was completely like unprepared for this, right? Like I thought it was the nation's number one business school. This is where, you know, I, I, my dad worked in a vacuum cleaner factory. Like I have nobody in my life that like went to college or anything. So I got into this great graduate school, number one in the country. I'm so excited to get there. Everybody else like went to the best prep schools, the best colleges, their parents were rich. They had, you know what I mean? Very successful upbringings. (laughs) And so that like cynicism about like why you were going to school for two years was like really shocking. (laughs) So did you get, uh, get there on a scholarship? No, I took out a massive loan to go there, but they pay, you get a really good paying job out of that. So it worked itself out fine. Yeah. Oh, okay. And uh, are they strict when it comes to um, who can who gets to go there, or was, as, soon, uh, as as soon yeah. as you pay, you're in? No, it was very uh, selective when I applied. It was like a less than 10% acceptance rate. But I was a woman. I was from Colorado. I had moved to Denver out of college, and I worked in the tech industry. So I kind of had three things that made me kind of uniquely positioned to get in, and that had a lot to do with it, and, and a test score. So no, you actually do have to. Um, you do have earn to qualify it, to get kind in. Of. You have to earn it to get okay. in. But then once you get there, a lot of people have already been in investment banking for a couple of years. So, I mean, the, the bar is already pretty high in terms of what people know. Wow. And um, how many people, um, gr- gr- ugh, how many people <laughs> graduate every year? They graduate 700 people a year. And I remember being like, this, this is what it's like. I had, there were, I remember there were two guys in front of me in one of my classes. There was a class like operations management. It was very complicated, like how to optimize a factory to make a, you know, the optimal number of widgets, right? Given limited time and materials. And. I worked so hard on this class, right? I worked my, I was in the library all the time. I memorized every problem set. You know, I got to the exam. I had memorized how to answer every question, you know, so I could, so I could squeak by with a B minus. And we were filling out course evaluations. And the two guys in front of me looked at each other and said, there was a textbook for this class. Oh my God. (laughs) And I about like crawled under my desk, right? Like I was like, Oh my God, I worked so hard. So it was a lot. It was, it was very, very difficult. It was probably the two hardest years of my life because like socially I had nothing to offer because right. Like who wants to talk to somebody whose parents aren't like rich and successful a, and then B like, I mean, I can't help anybody uh, career wise. And then um, academically it was very difficult, but Wow. I'm, I was a lot stronger for it when it was over. <laughs> yeah, no, sure. I'm, I'm, I'm sure. But, uh, so you were, you were kind of the, it's like a social outcast, quote unquote. Yes. Or? Huh. Yeah. At graduation, I introduced myself to the person in front of me in line to get their diploma and the person behind me. And they had never seen me before. They didn't know who I was. Wow. <laughs> I'd been in, I'd been in that class in that school for two years. <laughs> you, you were, you were a ghost, ghost student. <laughs> I was a ghost. It's like, I think it's Jesus. like in France, it's the equivalent, like France, they have Sciences Po, right? Like that's mm-hmm, like yes. the pipeline where all the like really like, yeah, yeah. It was like being at Sciences Po, but like, yeah, but being like a, yeah, you're a ghost. 
that's pretty much wow. it. Wow. <laughs> and you, that's crazy. You also mentioned um, living in New York for, for a while. Yes. Um, how long? Gosh, I lived there probably a total of three years. Around which time? 99 to 2002. Okay, so you were there for the, the big day, the, uh, yes. uh, 9-11. Yes. Okay. Yes. Okay, dumb question, but were, were you working that day or how did you... Uh... I was, but not, not on that side. Uh, Goldman's offices are, gosh, probably about, um, they're a couple miles from, okay. yeah, so Goldman's offices were at One York Plaza. That's kind of on the eastern edge of the tip of Manhattan. It's right next to this. If you've ever gone to the Statue of Liberty, it's the big office building next to the Staten Island Ferry Terminal that you get on to go to the Statue of Liberty. So okay. kind of on the other side of that tip mm -hmm. of Manhattan. So, okay. um, yeah, it was, it was awful and terrible. Um, but, uh, not, not in that immediate area. Yeah. Yeah. So were you stuck on uh, on the island for a couple of days or were you able to get out or? No, I was stuck there for a while. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Wow. Okay. <laughs> I'm sorry to be such a downer. <laughs> That's okay. We can move on to more exciting topics. No, no, absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. Yeah. So from <laughs> New York, you moved to uh, Denver. Was there any reason uh, why Denver or there was an opportunity there or? Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it was relationship related. Um, okay. That's a valid so, reason. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, so it was, uh, uh, my, my boyfriend at the time had, uh, you know, followed me to Philly, um, for me to go to B school. Um, he had already lived in Philly prior to that. So Wharton was kind of his idea that I, uh, go there. I actually had planned to go to a different business school. But he said, okay. if you go to, if you get into Wharton, I'll follow you to Philly. So he followed me to Philly, got a job there and then, um, followed me on. And then, um, his mother was like, she's fine now, but was diagnosed with breast cancer at the time. So that was the impetus to move back. And it was also like with everything going on in New York at that time, it was like, well, do we really want to commit to New York or do we want to maybe relocate? Um, and at the time that kind of made sense. So I've been yeah. there ever since. Okay. So at least you weren't completely on your own in Philly. At right. least. Okay. That's right. <laughs> okay. No, that's, that's. I had someone to listen to my sad stories and yeah, yeah. I could eat, I okay. could eat pretzels and drink beer with them, which is what you're really. <laughs> All right. And you go to sports game and you, um, you start fights. They also exactly. do that in Philly. <laughs> They're very good at that. That's yes, why they had they a jail at the, they had a jail at the football stadium when we lived there. Yes. <laughs> I, yeah, I heard about that. So that's true. That's not a yeah. rumor. That's actually true. My God. That is wow. true. The old veteran stadium. I don't know if the new stadium has a jail or not, but the old veteran stadium did. Yeah. Wow. Nice. Okay. <laughs> okay. What, I mean, what else can I say? <laughs> um, well, I mean, in your football world, right? Like there's a, it, it gets pretty heated, right? Well, I mean, this, the Canadian Football League is pretty chill. <laughs> well, no, I didn't mean that. I meant like soccer. <laughs> I understand Canadian Football no, I'm, I'm just, I'm just uh, joking. Can they get to a brawl? <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, uh, the soccer picture here is, it's, I mean, it's been growing for a while, but it's not, it's not the uh, super intense environment that it is in uh, in South America or whatever. Mm -hmm. But um, I mean, I'd say that the most heated sports rivalry here was Montreal against uh, Boston, mm -hmm. uh, Canadians versus yep. Bruins. And uh, well, I mean, back then it would have been Canadians versus uh, Nordiques, Quebec yes. Nordiques. But now they are in Denver. It's, they are the yes. Avalanche now. <laughs> they are. That's true. 
Yeah. And uh, they won the cup the year that they left uh, Quebec City. So, you know. 95. <laughs> yes. Absolutely. Yes. <laughs> or should I say, non en cans. Yes. Uh, wait. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, <laughs> that's true. In, uh, <laughs> in Belgium. In, um, yeah, in Belgium, they say 95. Uh, yes. Here, we would say 95. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> but 95 is much more logical. Yes. <laughs> yeah, for sure. For sure. And uh, so, uh, yeah, if we can switch gears to sports a little bit, are you a big sports fan or? I am. Um, I, I follow... I follow it like I follow the highlights in the news, so I like sports a lot. Okay. The NBA is my favorite, though. Um, I could sit and okay. watch NBA basketball every night, um, and NBA on Twitter is my joy. Like I just love it. It's I get the biggest kick out of it. But um, but I like a little bit of everything. Okay. I'll be honest. I don't know how well the Nuggets have been doing lately, so not good. Uh, not okay. as good as last year. Last year, they made the Western Conference Finals, um, oh, okay. which was really exciting because we are a small market team. Um, and we beat another small market team, the Utah Jazz, which means the games were on at like, you know, 11 o'clock in the morning and nobody on weekdays and nobody cared, but I cared. Um, <laughs> okay. so that's okay. Uh, it's kind of like, it's kind of like following uh, some of your Canadian football. You know, it's special to the people that have the teams, but it's not yes. necessarily of national importance. Yeah. Um, but I am very excited tonight because, um, you know, I grew up in Northeast Ohio and the Cleveland Browns are in American football. Uh, yes. they have a wild card game. It's the first time in 18 years that they're in the playoffs. So that's very exciting too. Yeah. Against the, <laughs> the Steelers uh, tonight. Yes. So they, it's going to be, it's going to be a tough one. It's going <laughs> to be very tough. <laughs> but, uh, no, yeah. I, I, I mean, I remember the Cleveland Browns the last time they made the playoff. Wasn't it uh, Testaverde at uh, QB? Oh my gosh. Vinny Testaverde. That is yeah. you have a very good memory. Uh, we had Vinny <laughs> Testaverde. We had Bernie, Co Bernie Kozar. Yeah, yes. Bernie Kozar much, much <laughs> yes. before that. Much before yes. that. Yes. Yes. With Ernest, uh, Ernest Biner and the fumble in Denver. Right? I'm very impressed. You know that. Yes. Yes. The oh, fumble. I, I used, I used to be a maniac about the NFL. Really? Uh, yeah. Yeah. The San Diego Chargers and the New York Giants were my teams. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Now, why did my, you pick those two? That's that's interesting. Because my favorite players were Lawrence Taylor and Junior Seau. Oh, okay, that makes sense. So oh, the, rest in peace. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Taylor isn't dead yet, but uh, who knows? Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so no, yeah, NFL is still my. Uh, I mean, it's not my main thing, but I still follow it a little bit. You know, watch the playoffs and and stuff. Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, the the fumble in. Denver and yeah, oh God, I okay. I'll admit, please don't hate me, but I hate the Broncos. Oh, I hate them too. It's okay. I oh, really? Well. Yeah, I do. Really? Okay. Yeah. Uh, how come? Well, I mean, because of the fumble game, or <laughs> it? It well, it's two things. So the, okay. there was there was the drive before that. Yes. Before there was the fumble, yes. there was the drive. So like whenever they show a, a montage about Cleveland sports, it's always the drive, the fumble, and the 97 Florida Marlins who beat the Cleveland Indians. I don't know if you remember Edgar Renteria hit the hit the walk-off home run and it was all over. Like those were the three cho chances Cleveland had at a championship. Um, My God. All three of them were, yeah, were thwarted. But um, I've never embraced the Denver Broncos and I've lived here off and on since like 1996. So it's never oh, wow, going to happen. Okay. I don't like it. I'll tell you why, because it's like, 
it's, it's, I've never seen a more entitled fan base in my life. Like they just, if they don't win or if they're not in the playoffs, it's like a major affront. Like they don't understand the ebbs and flows of professional sports, rebuilding a team, right? Bringing on new rookies who may or may not work out. Like that whole like life cycle is something that they just don't think applies to them, which I freaking hate. Um, so so I'll be. I am unabashedly not a fan of the Denver Broncos, but I'll tell you that traveling to Canada so much for work over the years, like I do, I do also feel for people that are Toronto Maple Leafs fans because they've never gotten their moment in the sun, right? So there's that too, recently at least, you know. Yeah, I think their last cup was in 67, I think. Yeah, yeah. So that's, uh, yeah, that's, that's insane, (laughs) honestly. And uh, yeah, I I hate the Broncos because they used to kick the shit out of the Chargers year oh, after yes. year. Oh yes, consistently. <laughs> That's true. You're right. Yeah. And they were good for so long that, as you said, massive entitlement. Yes. It is quite annoying. I gotta yeah. say. <laughs> so uh, yeah. <laughs> okay. So yeah, if we can switch gears again, switch to music a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, do you play an instrument? I don't. I don't either. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> okay do you know if you um, have sort of a gift for for it and you never had a chance to uh, work on it or or it's just not you just have no talent for that or um you know what my kids all um are have all done music to some extent or will do music um so okay. they seem reasonably good at it um i have several relatives that have perfect pitch so I would think that I would be okay at it, but I just never okay. really got the chance. It was always expensive, you know, music was expensive and that's just not something we did. Um, okay. so I've always just been a fan, but not something that I got to pursue. But my, um, my middle kid who's 12 is learning to play the electric guitar. And oh. it is so exciting. And, um, nice. she's actually taking lessons from a friend of ours who is a former member of, uh, Parliament Funkadelic. Um, okay. who had a, who had a stroke and can no longer perform professionally, but still gives music lessons, guitar lessons. Um, and so, um, I try to not, I try not to impose too much of my excitement on that opportunity that one of my kids is learning electric guitar, but it's a bit of a dream. And my oldest studied drums for a long time too. Oh, nice. Okay. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> you mentioned that some of your relatives have a perfect pitch. Isn't that really rare? I don't know if it's really rare, but they're all like singers. Um, okay. and they all can, they can all match, like they can play things by ear. Um, so I don't know if that's rare or not, but I have two aunts and two cousins who have perfect pitch. Mm-hmm. And are they, uh, professional musicians or do they work in the, in that field or? No. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> Not at all. Not at all. Um, no, uh, like one, one studied music for a long time, but I mean, no, I mean, they waited tables and worked at Bob Evans and that kind of thing, but, um, we're told they had perfect pitch. So it might even be a family legend. I don't know, but they're very good singers <laughs> okay. and they seem to be able to pick up things. So, um, huh. who knows? Okay. All right. Okay. So let's uh, stick to music a little bit. What would be your top three bands, your favorite three bands? Uh, well, number one is, of course, U2. That's my favorite. I'm wearing a U2 shirt today. I've got so okay. many of them. <laughs> so, uh, U2 is my, my favorite, hands down. Uh, my number two is The Clash. Mm, okay. Yeah. Um, and my number three, um, is actually, it surprises people, but it's Green Day. I absolutely love them. <laughs> All right. Yeah. All right. Then you open the door for the follow up question. Uh, <laughs> um, how come Green Day? 
you know, I think because they've all, I feel like I've grown up with them, right? So like you two, I've grown up with because I mean, I embraced them when I was young, but a lot of their music, I mean, it came out when I was like um, a kid. Um, but I feel like Green Day like really came out like around 1993. And they always say like whatever music was when you were kind of in your early 20s really sticks with you. Um, and I just feel like, um, gosh, everything. And I mean, it was funny because I, I talked about being very disappointed in their new album, like Father of All MFers. Um, but it was because I love them so much. And I actually developed this elaborate theory that like Billy Joe is putting out new music and it all kind of sucks because he's got some type of Dr. Landy relationship like Brian Wilson has with somebody because Billy Joe has struggled with addiction and maybe he's just doing this music as part of his rehab and it's not very good, but they're just going to, you know what I mean? Pump out as much as possible. I don't know, but I wouldn't do that for somebody I didn't care about. Like I wouldn't develop an elaborate (laughs) conspiracy theory for like, um, somebody that was not so near and dear to my heart. And I do totally love seeing them live. I've seen them a million times. Um, not as many as I've seen you two. I've seen you two more often than I've seen Green Day, but I've seen them every time they come to town. They always look like they're having fun. They're high school friends. A lot like you two are high school friends, mm-hmm. right? Um, and um, and I mean, I think Amer- the American Idiot 21st Century Breakdown combination of albums to me are just like masterpieces. Um, they're right. just amazing and stand on their own in addition to their incredible catalog. Well, I mean, it's, um, it is really rare bands that keep their fastball for so long. You know, eventually they will, they will move into another genre or another style that won't fit your, um, taste as well, you know? Yes. So, uh, it's a hit or miss, you know? Yes. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Their latest album, had it been a while before their previous one? No, it had not been that long. They, but they have been consistently putting out music, um, okay. for the last, call it five or six years. But Billy Joe has been in and out of rehab. Like he's really struggled with alcoholism. And so there have been numerous canceled shows. Oh. Um, a few years ago, they put out like, they put out three full albums called Uno Dos Tres, which had a lot of, some was good, some wasn't. Again, some of it sounded very unfinished. And then they've also got this side project they've got called The Network. Um, which is like an alter ego kind of, um, project that put out like two EPs, um, in the last year. So really prolific. And also Billy Joe did was, was sequentially putting out covers while the quarantine was going on, but you would listen to them and you'd be like, okay, well, obviously he recorded an album of covers and they're just kind of dribbling out these singles. But, um, I think that was part of a larger project. So it seems to me that he has been super busy, uh, writing new stuff. It's not all great, but they're putting it all out there probably because they do have a lot of fans like me that will consume all of it, even though it's not all great, <laughs> right? <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> and uh, B. Joe is the heart and soul of the band. So if uh, yes. for some reason he cannot perform anymore, it's the end of the band pretty much, right? Exactly. It'd be, it'd be okay. over. Yeah. Yeah. All and right. I should say Mike and Mike and Billy Joe are high school friends. Trey, they met like when they were like 19. But anyway, that's, oh, just okay. a, that's just a correction. They weren't all three high school friends. They met Trey at a party. But okay. anyway. No, I mean, honestly, I don't know much about that band, to be, to be quite honest. So <laughs> uh, I don't even know. And that should be, that's probably a sacrilege. I don't, like, right off the bat, I cannot tell you which city they're from. Okay. They're from Oakland, California. Okay. Okay. Yeah. All right. 
huh, I learned something today. <laughs> okay, <laughs> now I have that? a question for you, though. I have a question. Please. I need an interview here, but I need to ask you this. So you have this great knowledge of like these, you know, Duran Duran, dance floor classics, <laughs> electronic music, but then you also are like an expert on Rush. So I want to know... Not an expert, what is the, but <laughs> what is that? Well, you always get you always you always seem to you know beat a lot of other people who also really like Rush when we play name that tune. So I'm curious, what is is it just them or is it that genre about them that, that like makes you like them so much? I'd say I mean I like prog rock, but I I'd say it's mostly them because when I was in um, well after high school here in Quebec we we moved to. Uh, they call it CJEP. It's, it's like a community college, kind of. So okay. in uh, CJEP, I met I met a guy who became a friend for a long time, and he was a big Rush fan. Okay. And he introduced me to them. Oh, neat! So, that's that's and great. That's, and uh, yeah, he was uh, he was in a band occasionally, and uh, he was a bass player. So oh. every time I would drop by his house, he would be listening to you know old cassettes. Uh-huh. Rush songs, and you know, uh, he could also play by ear. He couldn't oh, wow. read the uh, music. Yeah, you know? but uh, I, I would just sit there. And one thing that fascinates me is watching people who are good at their jobs just, you know, look at them go, like yeah. Rushman, or you know, like a guy who does, you know, clay pot, or you know, yes. stuff like oh, yeah, that. Oh yeah, that's cool. Painting, you know, <laughs> that fascinates me because I suck at all of those things. You know, I can <laughs> paint for shit. I, I have no skill for music, uh, but I would just sit and watch him, you know, do, 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 mess around on his bass. Stop, rewind, stop, play. Do, 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 stop, <laughs> rewind, stop, play, and yeah, that, uh, yeah. That, that that was uh, that was pretty cool, and he introduced me to to Rush and uh, a couple of other uh, bands as well, uh, heavy metal. But uh, Duran Duran, it was the first um, the first um, vinyl mm-hmm. I bought was uh, Seven and the Ragged Tiger. Oh, I love that so, one. <laughs> yeah, it's a good one. Mm-hmm. And uh, so yeah, and and then I moved on to other uh, albums. Uh, so yeah, that's why. In a, in a nutshell, that's why. <laughs> Well, there's nothing like the enthusiasm of a friend to get you excited about a new band. Yeah, that's absolutely true. And I don't even, I mean, I don't know if you, uh, you listened to the year in review with uh, Josh, right? Yes, I did. So, uh, I mean, and, and I don't think I cut that part out, but I say that when I'm working, I cannot listen to music because I, I focus on the lyrics and it messes me up completely. So, but for some reason, I can listen to podcasts. (laughs) <laughs> and that's what I do. Yeah. And, uh, wow. Yeah, so yeah, I I, mm-hmm. I never have the time to discover new music, pretty much, and I cannot mm-hmm. go to concerts because my I have a bad Tinnitus. tinnitus. So, yeah. you know, I, I'm kind of stuck in uh, stuck in amber. You know, with my music knowledge, (laughs) you know. You're the Han Solo of, uh, yes. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yes. (laughs) Exactly. So, uh, you know, it is what it is. That's right, man. I mean, we're not all, you know, uh, look, we're, we're not all playing, um, playing soccer either necessarily because of our injuries, right? So it's all good. (laughs) Did you play sports in, uh, in school? I did. Um, you know, sports are really big because my dad was a high school football star. So everybody in town in our family, um, so everybody expected my sister and I to be athletes. Um, so, uh, I played, I played basketball all through school, which is funny because I'm not that tall, but <laughs> I was a power forward. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> um, I was really good at blocking, uh, yeah, and, uh, boxing people out. 
And uh, I played, yeah, I played softball, tennis, and basketball all through school. Okay. I have to ask, um, how tall are you? Oh, I'm like five five. Okay. <laughs> But it's a small town, and I mean, they just—I mean, if you, there's no cuts. I mean, if you show up, you can play on the basketball team. I mean, right? okay. So, like, the girl that's five eight is the center. I mean, it's 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 small, really small town. So, I mean, certainly, my career ended like when I was like a senior, and there was no pushing that any further. <laughs> okay. And uh, your dad, which uh, position did he play? Yeah, he was a fullback. Um, okay. He's, uh, he was famous because he scored, he ran for six touchdowns in one game in 1960. Wow. Yeah. And, um, it is a record that still stands at the high school. No one has ever, um, has ever broken his record. Somebody got five touchdowns a couple of years ago and the local newspaper, you know, did all this research and found out, oh no, Jim Shoemaker's, you know, um, record still stands. And when my dad passed away in 2014, We had like a celebration of life. We didn't have like a funeral. And everybody who came just wanted to talk about that game. <laughs> and wow. uh, everybody knew us for that. So like, you know, we were untouchable, like, like in my hometown, like we could do nothing wrong. So like my sister's like crazy boyfriend moved in and he was like selling drugs out of the house. Well, it didn't matter because the cops would never bust him because it was Jim Shoemaker's house, right? Like, it's crazy. <laughs> wow. And um, there's this song by the Fountains of Wayne called All Kinds of Time. And it's everything that happens during the snap. Um, and the quarterback grabbing the ball. And he's, they say he's got all kinds of time right before he has to throw the ball. Yeah, yeah, you hear yeah. that cliche? Yeah. The Fountains of Wayne wrote a song about everything that's happening in that moment. Like his, you know, his... His girlfriend's watching from the stands that he's going to marry. His dad and his brother are watching at home on the big screen TV. Well, that song just kills me because, I mean, obviously there weren't big screen TVs in 1960, but it reminds me of my dad because he had that one perfect night and it stayed with him his whole life and he was completely defined by it. Wow. Mm -hmm. that's, a, that's a good sports story. <laughs> <laughs> it is. It's crazy, right? You you know, in 2014, people remember a game that happened in 1960. That's bananas. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, it, it made the local paper and then it became legend, I guess. Yes, it did. Wow. It did. <laughs> How about that? <laughs> um, so actually, I have, okay, as you know, I have a series of questions. So we can go uh, ahead with that if you if you want. All right. So question one would be, what is your favorite sports movie? Oh, gosh, that's a great question. Oh, um, oh, it's Brian's song. Do you know that one? Yeah, I've never seen it, but uh, I've heard about it plenty. Yeah, I and mean, apparently, it's about friendship, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah. And apparently it's guaranteed waterworks yes. <laughs> every time you see, it, <laughs> exactly. you see that movie, yes. apparently. Yeah. <laughs> okay, good call. Good answer. Question two, what is your favorite sports book? You know, I read... I don't know if I know the title of it, but oh, it's Seven Rings. It's, um, I, I think it's called Seven Rings. It's by Phil Jackson. I read all the books that Phil Jackson wrote, um, just about like coaching and motivating because he's my favorite NBA coach. Um, because he came okay. from like, he was the, you know, he was kind of this gangly guy from like North Dakota, right? Who's like a hippie, right? He's into okay. like, he's into like, you know, doing like shrooms and getting, you know, and, <laughs> and, and Native American, like, cause he came from, Nor he came from the Northern Plains, right? So like the whole like Native American culture and, 
you know, traditions. And he took all of that to, um, the, you know, what at the time was, you know, the precursor to the NBA. Then he became like a coach that nobody expected anything of. He like was the coach of the like little like farm team in Albany, I think it was. Okay. Right. And then he just slowly worked his way up, you know, after his career with the Knicks ended, but he slowly worked his way up. And I mean, now he's like the winning as coach in NBA history. And he obviously had this great partnership with Michael Jordan and, you know, went on and, you know, coached the Lakers. But I mean, he's written like a plethora of books. I can't even name all the titles, but like he's a, he's a cool dude, man. And he like really gets people, you know, okay. and that's what's wonderful about him. You must have loved that the the Last Dance uh, series I on Netflix. I loved it. I didn't <laughs> want it to end. I did not want it to end. Even though I don't really love Michael Jordan, I loved everything going on while Michael Jordan was at his ascendancy. And I also I don't love Michael Jordan, but I really respect and appreciate him because the dude is so like so focused, right? Well, I mean, he's <sighs> driv driven to the point of uh, being a sociopath, pretty exactly. much. <laughs> he's ruthless. So, yeah. Yeah. Totally ruthless. And, uh, well, I guess that brings another question. What is the, the real price of success? You know, okay, maybe he's yes. the winningest athlete ever or something, but yes. I don't know if he's got any true friends. No. And people don't really so, know him. So, you know, w yeah. was it worth it? Maybe. I don't know. I mean, mm -hmm. I, it's not up to me to answer that. Mm -hmm. And I guess there are a million different answers and none of them is wrong. You know, it depends yeah. on your values, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. So, yeah. But that's another topic entirely. <laughs> that's <laughs> another right. episode. That's another that's podcast. Right. <laughs> All right. So, uh, question number three. What is your earliest memory of a sports game that you went to? So, um, we would go to every summer, we would go to one Cleveland Indians game. And the Cleveland Indians um, were terrible in the 1980s. <laughs> yes. And... Um, We, so we would go and it was a very long drive. It was like uh, about an hour and a half. There was a dusty parking lot next to municipal stadium and we would go and I would get a scorecard and I would sit there and I would fill out the scorecard because I was, because my dad had taught me how to read the baseball standings, like very young. So I knew, you know, all the stats. I would fill it out and we would always have to leave at the seventh inning stretch and would listen to, <laughs> listen to it in the car on the way home because my, my, because my parents <laughs> never went anywhere. And so they didn't want to deal with like, my parents did not like crowds or groups of people and they didn't want to have to deal with like the crowd the traffic, in the stadium yeah. and beat the traffic. Yeah. And I mean, it was the Cleveland Indians. It's not like that there was more than like 5,000 people in the 60,000 person stadium <laughs> anyway. Yeah. Like there was the guy, there was the guy with the drum. I mean, it's kind of like major league, but it's true. <laughs> there was the guy with the drum, like out in the like, you know, bleachers, but it always infuriated me that we left early. So I never leave. I never leave a sporting event early. I just can't do it. I have to Same. stay until the end. Same for Same. you? Same. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, until the bitter end. I, I yes. remember a few years ago in Berlin, uh, Erta got their asses kicked six to two. And I was with a friend and I was like, I don't care if it's 16 to two. I'm, <laughs> I'm staying until full time whistle. Yes. Yeah. 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 That, that is non-negotiable. Yes. That's right. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. All right. So, um, question four. What is your favorite or most memorable game that you saw in person? Game that I saw in person. Let me think about that. Um, oh, you know, even just, it was, um, gosh, I think it was, uh, 20, was it 2019? It might have been. 
I got to tell you, 2019, I mean, I saw the Denver Nuggets versus the Portland Trailblazers um, in the the final round of the Western Conference series um, here in Denver. And I mean, you know, I... I mean, again, the Nuggets are a small market team, but they have fabulous fans. So much fun. So engaged. I mean, just, you know, lifting the roof off. That was really, that was, and I'm a huge NBA fan. And I also really like the Blazers. Like I like Damian Lillard uh, a lot and he's a fun guy to watch. And um, I'm blanking on his name, but they have this huge Turkish guy who no longer plays for Portland, but He's the, the guy that's been at the center of all this kind of political nonsense where like oh, yeah, know, yeah, the guy's yeah. got like a freaking bounty on his head. This poor guy yeah. for like standing up for like what's right. Um, yeah. He plays um, for Portland and the guy's freaking massive and he can like block anybody that's coming into the, um, you know, that's coming in on a fast break. So that was super exciting. I would say that's probably my favorite um, sports memory. And it's very recent. Yeah, it is. I was kind of expecting something from when you were a kid or something. No, that's the, that's the, okay, no, there is no wrong answer. Growing up in Cleveland, you don't have a lot. Uh, That's true. You don't have a lot to draw from. That's true. I I can tell you. I mean, the 2016 um, Cleveland Cavaliers winning the the Mm -hmm. NBA finals was huge. I mean, I ran out in my front yard. And started screaming and I was doing cartwheels, uh, literally. <laughs> Not joking. Nice. There's a video of it. Okay. I, nobody from Cleveland, because no Cleveland team had ever won a championship in my lifetime. And it was emotional. It was, it was unbelievable. I could barely like, uh, I could barely like uh, wind myself down that night. It was crazy. Jeez. Wow. I guess the name that tune group has to see that video now. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. That's non-negotiable. Oh, <laughs> oh no. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty, no, that, that must have been pretty, uh, pretty awesome, honestly, because it, was. it kind of reminds me when the Raptors won, uh, last yes. year. Yes. So, but, uh, no, yeah, I, I remember, uh, LeBron and because uh, LeBron is from Ohio, uh, right? He is. He so is. He's that, from Akron. That was, yeah, yeah, exactly. It that was, was really a, special. A big thing. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Oh. For sure. <laughs> so if we can switch back, switch gears and go back to music and movies, another series of uh, quick uh, questions. What is your favorite music movie? Oh, it's almost famous. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, when I was a kid, like my sister took me to see all the hair bands and, mm-hmm. um, and, and she and I, we, we would get there really early. Um, and we would always have to wait for the doors to open. And I would always see the groupies like waiting to get in. And so I was always fascinated by that. So the fact they made a movie that involved groupies, like, I love, I love that. I love the story. (laughs) I love the dialogue. I love the movie. And do you know which one is your least favorite movie? Oh, of a, of a music movie. Yeah. The one you hated. The one that I hated. I really wanted to like the Tommy movie and the who, because I love Uh the Tommy album. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I, I did not love Tommy the movie. It was really, I guess, I guess certain things like you could kind of suspend disbelief about like that they're singing about it. But then when they actually tried to turn that into a movie or they try to make that visual, do you know what I mean? Like a creepy pedophile uncle, like I can kind of <laughs> suspend my disbelief. Like when I'm listening to an album of that, cause I love, I have a very soft spot for the who, um, mm-hmm. <laughs> like they're not okay. in my top three, but they're definitely in my top 10. Like I love the who. And I'd say the first time that I saw Tommy the movie, I was massively disappointed. I can understand that. Even though some of the performances were really good in it, but just some of the scenes were not not good. I don't... And who directed that movie? Wasn't it Ken Russell? No. Uh, It may have... I don't remember who directed it. 
because Ken Russell is really um, polarizing, let's say. Oh, okay, gotcha, <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. Uh, question two, what is your favorite book related to music? could be a biography or it could be something like a High Fidelity, for example. Oh, okay. I, it's somewhat related to music. It's the book Less Than Zero, um, which was turned into oh, yeah, a, not, yeah. a not very good movie, um, an okay movie, but not great. The book is like, uh, it, it, to me, was like, I wouldn't want to say life-changing because it's like overwhelming to say that, but like I was like a middle schooler when I discovered that book. It had not been out very long. And I, I loved how like the band X is like the backdrop to all the pivotal scenes in the movie. So they're going to this, they're going to the Roxy Club in Los Angeles. You know, they're, they're going to see X. And it's also, it's a lot of like fast moving rich kids, which to like a poor kid in like, you know, a Rust Belt town was like so exciting. <laughs> right. Yeah. And it was like this big city living. Um, but it's also a beautifully written book too. Um, but it talks about how isolated these people are all like in their own worlds, right? And they can't connect with each other. And like the basis of why they are so massively unhappy, though they have like money and status and music and power and all these things that like yeah. young rich kids have, they're totally yeah. freaking miserable because they can't they can't reach out and connect to somebody else. So the big line, the, the thing that keeps coming back over and over is they keep saying people in Los Angeles are afraid to merge. Like that's oh, like okay. the euphemism for like the fact that they can't like relate to one another. That's I, because I read that book. It's from uh, Brett Easton Ellis. Yes. Yeah. And um, I read it a, a while ago. I don't remember that part specifically, but I remember really liking that book as well. And Patrick Bateman that we see in American Psycho has a, yes. has a bit part. Yes, he is mentioned does. a few times. Yes. That's right. <laughs> so, but uh, <laughs> I don't, I only saw parts of the movie. I've never seen the entire movie. Yeah, the movie's uh, not that good. It, okay. It's okay. It's okay, but it's not great. It's not the a book good is faithful represent. The book is better. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like yeah. most of the time. <laughs> yes. Most of, yeah, you're right. That's true. It is most of the time better. Not always though, but uh, most of the time. For sure. All right. So question number three, what was your first concert? My parents took me to see uh, Sha Na Na when I was six. Wow. You know, okay. Do you know who that is? Yes. Okay. <laughs> Because they're not necessarily like a global phenomenon, but um, they had a TV show. They had a syndicated TV show. And uh, my parents were definitely like, I mean, they finished high school in 1960. So they were children of the 50s. So they loved 50s rock and roll. Right. So they loved Elvis. They loved, they loved Motown later. Um, but they thought that like, you know, um, Sean Anna like was playing like their music. Right. And, um, so we used to watch their syndicated TV show together every Saturday. Okay. And so when they came to town, they came to Akron. Um, we went to the front row theater and I got an autograph from Bowser, which was very exciting. I hung it in my nice. bedroom. Okay. <laughs> nice. Maybe that could be the answer to the next question. Question number four would be, what is your favorite or most memorable concert you went to? It's not that one. Um, okay. So uh, it was uh, the Lollapalooza. I believe it was the second Lollapalooza that had Pearl Jam. And um, they played it. Um, I'd gone to the first year. And then the second year, I'd gone again, expecting it was still going to be exciting and wonderful. And it was. But it was raining really hard. And it was one at one of those like outdoor sheds. It was at the Blossom Music Center in Northeast Ohio. And it started raining really hard. And there's a big hill, right? Um, there's an amphitheater that's kind of covered. And then there's a big hill behind it where everybody sits in the GA and watches. And it started raining and people slide down this hill. 
And one person, and Pearl Jam had been on early in the day because Red Hot Chili Peppers were the headliner. And um, I remember at one point, somebody said, oh my God, that's Stone Gossard. And it was, and it was the members of Pearl Jam also sliding down the hill, getting covered with mud with everybody else. And it was really neat. And then a bunch (laughs) of other, yeah. So, and then like, it was just a free for all in the rain. It was exactly what Lollapalooza was meant to be. And then it took like five hours to get out of that parking lot that night, but I didn't care. (laughs) It was super fun. Yeah. And it was way better than like, yeah, it was way better than like, I mean, the Chili Peppers at that point, that was when they came out with the flaming helmets. Okay. Which was like the opposite of everything going on, like with people sliding down the hill and then Red Hot Chili Peppers come out with these flaming helmets and they can barely move, right? Like they have to kind of stand in one place. So it was a wonderful night. Magic night. Nice. Good call. Good answer. Question number five. What is your most memorable or favorite brush with fame? It doesn't oh, have to be you. music written, actually. <clears throat> but go That's ahead. One of my favorite stories. Um, so I was, uh, I was in when I was living in New York City. There was this great restaurant called um, uh, Denal, and it was like a brunch place. And um, I was there having brunch um, with, you know, at the time my boyfriend and um, uh, Julia Roberts and Benjamin Bratt walked by. And oh uh, very slowly, no, no security or anything. And it's New York, right? So everybody's trying to be very blase of like not no, pretending not to notice that this is Julia Roberts and Benjamin Bratt, like at the height of their like relationship. And, um, I'll never forget that, um, the, the guy I was with, like, you know, looked up, looked at me, looked at this, looked at Benjamin Bratt and goes, I have a sweater like that. <laughs> <laughs> Wow. <laughs> yeah, whatever. So okay. that's kind of my favorite story. Like, just because how far people will go to, like, not look like they're impressed by something is kind of funny. Jesus. <laughs> wow. Yeah, that's, uh, that's, that's something else. <laughs> okay, so question six. Is there a band that turned you into a fan after you saw them live? Yes. So I went to the opening night of U2's Joshua Tree Tour in 2017, and opening night was in Vancouver, one of my favorite cities on the planet. And I was really excited, and I got there, and it was at BC Place. Mm-hmm. Have you ever been to BC Place? Uh, I've never been to Vancouver, so okay. no. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. Okay. It's a terrible place for a concert. It's like okay. a big concrete monolith. I don't know when it was built, but it's definitely not made for concerts. And they opened the doors at four o'clock, but there was like no, and there was a GA, right? And that's okay. So opening night of a, of a U2 tour, I've done this a few times, like, like people will stand out for like, you know, hours to get in, right. And get their okay. spot in the GA and nobody's eaten or drank anything. Cause you don't have to leave and go to the bathroom or anything like that. So <laughs> usually there's concessions and there was none. And so people were getting pretty hangry and pretty grouchy. And yeah. Mumford and Sons opened up and I've never, I've always been like, Oh, that's an Americana act. That's not my, they don't rock enough. I, you know, they're not my thing. They were fantastic, Patrick. They blew me wow. away. Right. Okay. And I'm cheering for them and I'm really loud. <laughs> and I said to my friend that I got with, I said, well, I was, I was only. <laughs> I was only casually interested going into this, but now I'm a fan. And the lady next to me goes, I'll say you're suddenly a fan. You couldn't shut up the whole time. So, um, yeah. So I felt go. bad. Um, yeah. So, um, nice. I couldn't because I was cheering and I was, I was clapping loudly. And, but anyway, um, yeah, Mumford and Sons Live really converted me. I like them a lot now. All right. Okay. Mm-hmm. You mentioned Vancouver being one of your favorite cities. What would be your top three favorite cities? 
Vancouver's definitely on that list, even though it rains a lot. Um, mm-hmm. I love how international it is. I love the, I love the combination of the sea and the mountains. I like Whistler. I like the whole area around there. Um, so I just like the general vibe of it. It seems like a very livable place, very considerate place. Um, I'd say my other two. Expensive like though. Expensive yes. though. <laughs> That's the thing. <laughs> yes. That's true. With, with all the non-Canadians moving there, it's kind of made everything yeah. bananas. Yeah. Um, agreed. So, <laughs> uh, so lots of empty office buildings or lots of empty apartment buildings, the apartments nobody lives in, which is kind of a mess, but I guess, uh, yeah. Yeah. But, um, my other two, I would say Barcelona. I love Barcelona. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. I get to go there once a year for a conference when it's not COVID and it's, in the spring, it's beautiful. It's not overrun by tourists. It's again, you've got the sea. Um, you know, you've got some, you know, it, it, but it's a beautiful landscape, wonderful restaurants. I like a late night city where people go out to dinner late, right? And mm-hmm. like go out oh, to do things Sp- late. Spain, Spain is your yes, spot then. <laughs> Spain is my place. Yes. Um, yeah. So, um, I'd say Barcelona is my number two. And Kikas yeah. architecture as well. Yes. And museums. Yes. So much Definitely. to do. Um, and third might be either Zurich or Stockholm. I like both of those a lot too. Jeez, you, you like expensive places, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> well, I get to go there on, for work when somebody else is paying. So no, yeah, I'm, I'm just, it. you know, I'm just, <laughs> I'm just joking, but yeah, That's no, true. those, those places are, are nice. Uh, Zurich is, it is spotless and very pretty yes. and all that. But I mean, I've only been there once, but what I remember, it's, um, it's the city. It, yeah. It's the city of uh, banks and insurance companies and it shows. You know, it, yes. it doesn't have like, you know, Berlin is grimy and dirty and people yes. yell at you and it's fucked up sometimes, but yes. it's got a, it's got a charm, you know, it does. Zurich it does. is, I'm not going to say it's soulless because it's too harsh to say that, yeah. but it, it lacks a little something. I understand that. That I, I, that's you a know. very good point. You're right. But, uh, Stockholm, I've never been. It's, uh, it's on my list. Well, hopefully sure. soon. Yes. Oh yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> All right. Okay, so I have another bunch of questions, if that's okay. Mm-hmm. All right, the triple Qs, the quick and quirky questions. <laughs> okay. So, get ready. Okay. okay. Number one, would you rather speak all languages or play all musical instruments? Speak all languages. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I enjoy I enjoy people too much, um, you know, and I mean, I really, I went native when I was in Belgium. Like, I, I got off that plane when I came home and I was started speaking to my mother in French. That's how much oh, I loved wow. it there. Yeah. And did you take uh, French lessons before going? I did. And the okay. time that I lived there, though, there was no internet and there was no, like, you know, English language TV. So it was not that difficult. Do you know what I mean? Like, if you're totally mm. immersed, it's... Yeah. Yeah. And when you send a, a letter, it takes, like, three weeks to, yes. uh, to, to go back <laughs> to the U.S. Yeah, I, I know. Yes. I know. So what, uh, which year was that? It was uh, 91 to 92. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. I, uh, I mean, I might talk about it at some point, but I went, uh, I worked in Germany for the summer of 94. Oh, wow. Former, former East Germany. Wow. So, uh, yeah, four years after East Germany uh, collapsed. Yes. Pretty much. So I was uh, living with a host family and the guy was still a hardcore socialist. And I remember having some spirited uh, discussions with him about wow. that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and see, that's like a piece of history. So I think people would be really interested in hearing about that, right? Because I mean, that was a unique 
period of time that has never, that's never going to happen again. Right. Yeah, that's true. I mean, that's those true. circumstances may happen somewhere else globally, but I mean, you think about it, right. Coming from like, you know, the West and going there and when all these things are changing and people are being forced into it and it's obvious three yeah. years in, four years in that it's not going to go back to the way it was. That's yeah. pretty interesting stuff. Yeah. I think so. And also, I mean, I'm sure that it was, uh, it was in the Thuringia, the, the region, uh, yeah. Turingen, near Erfurt. And mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure that for most of the people there, it was the first time that they saw a Canadian and maybe even a Western person in real life. Isn't you know, that amazing? I, yeah. I was working in some really small villages. Yeah. And, uh, uh, yeah, sometimes I would talk to people. Yeah. Can you speak a little slower? Because, you know, they use local yes. dialect and I, right. I don't get any of that. So I uh, can you speak a little bit? You know, I'm, I'm from Canada and the look they would give me, you know, like, <laughs> like, like I'm from Mars almost, you know. Oh, wow. Yeah. It will show on, on the, on the pod at some point. I think. Oh, that's going to be great. (laughs) Good. I love hearing about people's, I love hearing about people's like unusual, like I like that travel tales. Like I like anything Mm. where somebody's gone somewhere and been completely, completely different experience. Right. That's so interesting. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So look for it in a, in a few weeks, maybe. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So, okay, so that was question one. Question number two. If you could get a ticket to any show or event, music or sports, past or present or future, what would you want a ticket to? I would go to the Amnesty International Conspiracy of Hope concert at Giant Stadium, which I believe Mm -hmm. was in like uh, 1984, 1985. It was U2, Peter Gabriel... Yusu Endor, uh, a reformed police, uh, not my favorite, but I actually have learned to like them since I've been watching, since I've been listening to the police more recently. Um, <laughs> okay. I love Sting solo. Sting had gone solo, but they reformed the police just for like these six concerts. And I am a longtime member of Amnesty International. I um, started a chapter in high school. Um, oh, really okay. important to me. And I actually had posters in my room. Uh, from that tour that like ran in Rolling Stone magazine. So if I could go back in wow. time, I would, I would go see those shows and YouTube. Pre- you can watch, you can watch the whole concert on YouTube. It's available because they showed it on MTV, but okay. um, to be there in person would have been really special. Awesome answer. <laughs> Honestly. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So qu- let's switch gears again. Question number three. What is your favorite insect? <laughs> oh, I, I love uh, leaf carrying ants. Okay. The ones that the ones that work like in a little assembly line, like if you go to a mm-hmm. tropical country, like you know you go to Panama or Costa Rica, you look down on the the floor of like the you know the jungle or whatever, and there'll be these little like ants carrying little bits of leaves, like and they're all like very well coordinated. I love that. It's like a little collective. Nice. I think you're the third person who mentions ants as oh. an answer <laughs> to that question. Yeah, they seem to be popular. <laughs> So there they, you go. They, they definitely <laughs> they are carry cool. over their own they, they carry over their own weight. So what's yeah, not to like? They, yeah, they're cool. Absolutely. Question number four. What scene from a movie scarred you for life? So there was a TV miniseries adaptation of Stephen King's The Stand that ran on US TV in like nineteen maybe nineteen ninety four, nineteen ninety five ish. There is a scene where the virus gets out of the lab. And everybody in the lab is dead. And some guy has gotten out of the lab in his pickup truck and he, and he like drives his pickup truck through the like barrier gates. 
and they're playing don't uh you know they're they're playing um that beat the what is the um blue oyster cult song about the reaper don't, don't fear the don't, reaper don't fear the reaper they're yeah. playing don't fear the reaper as it slowly pans over all the dead people in the um in the lab that was pre covid i that has bothered me since that mini series i could tell you everything in that mini series cuz it fucking scarred me for life and my re- my roommates <laughs> wanted to watch it and um it really uh, it really uh struck a chord it really upset me <laughs> nice all right okay <laughs> that works <laughs> uh, question question number five what is the best nickname you've ever heard oh yes so uh so i went to ohio university not ohio state uh, ohio mm-hmm. university is like this is like the twenty thousand student ex- extremely like liberal state school where everybody like you know, grows weed and plays hockey sack. Uh, so we don't really have, we didn't really, sports were not a big deal, but we had this really amazing basketball player who ended up playing in the NBA and his name was Gary Trent. And the, um, the, um, conference, yes, his son I, now I, plays I, for Portland. He okay. played for Portland and now his son, Gary Trent Jr. plays for Portland, but okay. he went to Ohio University and, um, his nickname was because we were in the middle American conference known as the Mac. His uh, nickname was the shack of the Mac. Oh, nice. <laughs> so that's my favorite. Yeah. <laughs> that's good. Okay, so question six. What would you name your boat if you had one? Oh, gosh. I hadn't given this one any thought. If I had a boat, what would I name it? <laughs> oh, um, you know what? I would name it the Melody Jane because that is what my middle kid's name is. But she does not go by Melody Jane. She goes by Boo because it's gender neutral and everybody has called her Boo since she was a baby. So I would name the boat Melody Jane because I love the name Melody. Oh, yeah. Good good answer. For <laughs> sure. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, question seven. Where is the worst smelling place you've been? Oh, <laughs> this one's easy. Um, so I... Um, When I was in my early 20s, my first job out of college, I was worked in an IT department at a big software company. And they sent me to India to open up a new office, like set up the computers, the network, all that stuff. And and India, like parts of India are extraordinarily polluted um, at Mm -hmm. the time. But um, I actually was, they, I, I was going from... Um, a visit to the Taj Mahal with a couple of coworkers on a Saturday because I stayed there over several weeks. And um, they stopped to like, uh, there, there's no public bathrooms anywhere. So they stopped and said, you just have to go by the side of the road. You just have to go pee over there. Oh, and um, it was dark and there was no lights. And um, I fell into like a wastewater pond. Oh um, my God. <laughs> <laughs> and I had to be pulled out by the driver oh, of the car. Jesus. It was horrible. <laughs> and <laughs> so the worst smelling thing ever was me. <laughs> and oh, wow. I had a car. There's nowhere to go. I mean, there's yeah, you know, I don't know if you've ever have you ever been to India? No. There's like, I mean, there's like two-lane highways, but there's like there's no like there's no place to stop. Like, right? It was like we were going from the Taj Mahal like back to like the hotel, which was like, you know, 90 minutes away or whatever. And I mean, I I I can tell I was covered in sludge like all the way back. It was horrible. And then they had to give me like a special disinfectant. I don't know if you've ever seen the movie Silkwood. It felt like Silkwood. Like (laughs) I used like a special disinfectant to like clean all that stuff off. It was really bad. Patrick. Uh, Yeah, I believe you. Uh, What uh, what year was it? (laughs) That would have been, um, let's see, 90, 97, probably. Yeah, 97. Yeah. (sighs) Yeah, no, I've never been to India and 
I'm not a germaphobe, but um, <laughs> I mean, but like the the combination of those uh, things like that, and you know, yeah. the like the the big crowds and like the general chaos, kind of. I don't think I don't think I would enjoy myself. You know. There is, you know, I'll tell you, I think that's why a lot of, like, if you meet a lot of, like, Indian nationals, like, they're very chill people because they have learned to be, to thrive in that chaos. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Good point. Yes. Like, I remember I was on a train next to this lady that this beautiful, you know, they call it a suit, right? It's like the two piece, like, um, deal that, like, Indian professional ladies wear. And, like, the, the train, like, stopped and started abruptly, like, lurched forward and lurched backwards. So her chai falls. It goes all over her outfit. And she looked at me and said, you know, that's why I always carry a spare. And she, like, grabbed her bag and went to the bathroom to change. And I was like, what? That's amazing. Like these wow. people are just ready. They're just ready yeah. for something crazy shit to happen. And how cool is that? That they don't let that bother them, you know? They just roll with it. They know? totally roll with it because so much is beyond your control with that many people around. That's true. That's something I should be working on <laughs> <laughs> personally. Yeah. But that's another podcast. Yeah, <laughs> there we go. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So question eight, when did you screw everything up, but no one ever found out it was you? <laughs> I love this question. Um, <laughs> so on that same job where I was in IT, um, I was sent to Japan to open up an office and the CEO of the company was extraordinarily cheap. And so he wanted me to take a, basically a big phone system from, you know, Denver and like import it to Japan and then reinstall it at the new office. And okay. like, I got there and like the electrical system was incompatible, like, right. And so, um, basically like I hung out in Japan for a few days. <laughs> <laughs> it was, it was actually, it was during the Nagano Olympics, which was very exciting. Oh, wow. Uh, it was okay. 1998. Um, not that I saw anything in the Olympics, but the, it was all around. It was exciting that it was happening. Um, I went home, I went home and I was like, okay, well, I can only do so much here. And I said, yeah, I, I, you know, and so when they got there and like, Hey, the phones aren't working. <laughs> I was like, I don't know. It might be, <laughs> might be a problem with the building. It might be. Yeah. So not me. Not me. Wasn't me. <laughs> There's not much that you could have done. And it was not the kind of like boss where you could be like, Hey, this isn't going to work. Like he would, he won't take no for an answer. Right. Oh, okay. One of those kind of people. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. Like figure it out. Like Japan is not an easy place to like navigate. Like if you're not like, you know, a national, um, it's very challenging. So yeah. Wow. Yeah. I can, I justified it that way too, Patrick. Thank you. <laughs> that's, that's, that's all right. <laughs> that works. Okay. So question 10. If you were given a one minute ad slot during the Super Bowl that you couldn't sell, you have to use it. What would you fill it with? One oh, minute wow. during the Super Bowl. You can do whatever you want. I, Bagford had a really good answer to this one. Like, cause I've yes. also got a kid. I've also got a kid with autism. Um, and I don't think people necessarily like, I will piggyback on his cause I, I don't think I can have a better answer than that. Actually, okay. like, um, because I think that that's, it, it's a huge, like, I think misconception, like how funny and special, like, uh, I think people on the spectrum are. And I don't think necessarily like the general population gets that. They just kind of see sometimes the social differences and past judgment and, um, you know, and I think that over time, you know, people are way more, I would say, attuned today than they were like 20, 30 years That's ago, true. but That's still true. got a lot, still got a long way to go. So I probably can't top that one. I think I asked him the same question. What is the movie or TV show that you remember had a proper depiction of autism? 
Yeah. So there is a TV show called Love on the Spectrum, and it's actually a reality、okay. show. Have you seen it? It's on Netflix. I I heard about it, but I haven't seen it. It's um it's Australian, and it's a bunch of、um, autistic adults who are kind of looking for a relationship, looking to date. And what I love about the show, it's it can be hard to watch at times just because it hits it's hits close to home. But the thing that it shows is that these people are so disarming, so charming, so wonderful when they're at home with their families that they know really well. And then they get out into the world and they have to, you know, show interest in somebody else and and kind of develop those kind of back and forth skills that a lot of them have been trained extensively to do. And it's really hard. <laughs> And it's and they and and they you know about half of them you know thrive and about half of them struggle but they all still are focused on the outcome that they do want this they do want a relationship with somebody but I think the I think it does a good job of showing how comfortable they can be and also how hard it is for them、um, meeting somebody new. All right, so yeah, I'll、uh, I'll take note of that. It is love on the spectrum, right? Yes, yeah, it okay, is. Okay,、mm-hmm. yeah, uh, on uh, Netflix. On Netflix, yeah, it's a wonderful show. Yeah. Okay. I didn't know it was、uh, from、uh, Australia. It is, and you can tell. I mean, there's lots of things like like I watch and I'm like accents. <laughs> yes. Well, accents, seaside locations.、Um, okay. Right. <laughs> that are quite lovely.、Yeah. The the kind of like Australian type home, you know, like the you know that you only see on TV. Well, I've only seen on TV, but um, there. But there's also support, right? There's like you know, even though these people are adults and they've got jobs and stuff, there's still like a social safety net a little bit that like provides you know social workers, right, and like social Groups and that kind of stuff that you know they wouldn't necessarily get here. It's like watching Degrassi, the new class, with my kids, and I have to explain to them. Well, in Canada, they have that, but we don't have that here. <laughs> Same thing. <laughs> in Canada,、yeah. you can just pop out and get birth control pills and have them before the end of the school day. That doesn't happen here, so just get that out of your mind. Stuff like that. <laughs> you, you, you know, no, that's that is a great comparison because. I guess it's true, but I never thought of that. You know, there's lots、okay. of things like that. Like, yeah, or like, you know, they had, you know, somebody called in like a bomb threat, and like the cops showed up right away. You know, stuff like that. Like, you know, it's different. <laughs> it's just different. Or, or they had, they had, they have a whole storyline with Syrian refugees coming in to the school, right? Okay, and integrating with the rest of the students. Something else、huh. that we haven't experienced. So it's actually really, you know, sometimes you have to watch it and you'd be like, hey, you know, this is this is some kind of unique to Canada that they did. That's、yeah. cool. Okay, nice. Learned something new again today. <laughs> that's that's good. I have five more questions if you like. Some kind、okay. of overtime. Okay, you're good for it. Yep. Awesome. Okay, so overtime question one: You are going back in time and wind up face to face with fifteen-year-old Carly. <laughs> you have ten seconds before you travel back to the present day. What do you tell your younger self? That's a great question. Thanks. Ten seconds. <laughs> oh, I would say you're a badass. Don't be intimidated. Okay. Yeah, you still have a few、say. more seconds left. <laughs> <laughs> no, but that would be it.、All. Pretty much. I think、okay. that's it. Pretty much. I will tell you that I was always like singularly focused on getting the fuck out of my hometown. Um, very laser focused on that, so that was never a problem. I would say that sometimes I would get intimidated around people that I felt like were a lot better prepared than I was, and so I would say confidence has been like the big challenge. And so I would just, I would just say that. Great answer. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Question two: If you could live in anyone's head 
for 15 minutes, uh, like uh, being John Malkovich, same oh, type. Oh, yes. You, only, only as a spectator. You cannot control them. Who would you choose? Only as a spectator. Yeah. Oh, what a great question. Let me think about that for just... Oh, I know. I know. It's my hero. It's, it's Colonel Chris Hadfield, the famous astronaut. I love him. Oh, yeah. I love him. I have met him because I love space. Um, I love space exploration. I love how he thinks about things. Um, and so to me, they're just, I mean, Mark, Ke- we kind of have Mark Kelly, like, you know, uh, that just uh, ran for Senate that also is like a very famous US astronaut. But like, I-, I love, like, I love that. So I would say him. Good call. And I mean, he's a fellow countryman. So how could I disagree <laughs> with that? You know, I'm, I'm all for it. Question number three, you are on death row. Tomorrow is the final day. You get to choose the way you're going. Uh-huh. So w- how do you want to uh, uh, shuffle off this mortal coil? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I would drown because I don't know how to swim. So it'd be really easy. But do you want to You want to die dr- by drowning? Well, you just try to hold your... Isn't it like that movie, The Big Blue, where you would hold your breath? Uh, I, 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 I guess I've I, never thought this through. I, I mean, I don't know, I guess, but apparently, I don't know, like, I, I would, I don't know, you, like, you start panicking and it's, a, oh, it's a horrible okay. final 60 seconds, you know? Oh, that's true. Oh boy. Ben, um, you're right. You're right. Thanks for talking me out of that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um gosh, you, I guess I would go- just take a, I guess I would just, I guess I would just take a pill, like a couple of pills, like, you know, Janis Joplin or Jimi Hendrix style, right? Yeah. Or Marilyn, Marilyn Monroe style. There we go. Yeah. No, 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 not that. Not that. Cause that's embarrassing. <laughs> um, but yeah, I would say, no, I didn't mean that, but you know what I mean? Like she just took a bunch of pills, not how she was yeah. found. Cause that's bad. Um, painless. But yeah. Yeah. Painless. Uh, I don't remember how she was found, to be honest. Oh, yeah. And I don't want to be like, I don't want to put you on the spot, but I guess I should look it up or. (laughs) No, it's okay. It's okay. Okay. (laughs) No, I don't think she, I think she was like naked and like, yeah, like something, something, something happened. Something happened. I don't know. So anyway, that's why I said that. It's not in the, in a bathtub or. No, that was Jim Morrison. That That was Jim Morrison. Okay. was in his bathtub. Okay. Yeah. I don't know. Okay. All right. Question four. Your superpower is you can give phobias to people. You can give fears to people. What would you make people afraid of? That's your um, superpower. Um, yeah, I just, I'm obsessed with this idea of like forcing people to walk in other people's shoes. Mm-hmm. So yeah. it would be some, it would be some way of like making people that have always had it really easy to walk in the shoes of somebody's I so I would say I would say it was a a fear of like um losing like all of their like money status and power I would say like a mortal okay. fear of that cuz I feel like I feel like that's why there's a, a significant lack of empathy is that people just don't understand that like you know you there's a lot of people that are dancing on a knife's edge in terms of their ability to have a home be viable have you know what I mean healthcare that kind of thing um yeah. So I would give people a fear that like all, all those people that are really comfortable that that shit isn't going to be taken away from them. I want them to feel what that's like to actually have that visceral fear of that being taken away from them. Yeah, that's good. That's good. What my answer was, because I, I thought about it, I uh-huh. would make, I would make people deadly afraid of the concept of greed. Oh, that's the same idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, so same they, concept. Like, yes. Yeah, like they would, right. they couldn't live with themselves if they weren't generous with other people. Right, right, exactly. I think it's the same idea. Yes, yeah. So, yeah, same idea, but I think I prefer your way of uh, phrasing it. Like, you know, putting rich people in poor people's shoes, like not, yes. not, not knowing if you can make it to the next paycheck, you know? Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah. good call. All right. Um, okay. So question five. Actually, I have six questions. So question mm-hmm. five. I almost ditched that question, to be honest, but I'm going to give it a shot. What is the best Wi-Fi network name you've seen? Oh, Taylor Swift fan club. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That works. <laughs> yeah, it was funny. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it's cool. Question six: What is your hometown best known for? It's best known for I don't know. Did you ever watch the TV show The A Team? No. Oh, yeah, of course. Okay. <laughs> so, so the face uh, Perry King uh, grew up in Alliance, Ohio. The face uh, Dirk yeah, Benedict. Yeah, but the, yeah, Dirk, okay, yeah, not not not, not Perry King, not Perry. Oh King. no, Dirk Benedict. Dirk, sorry, yeah, Dirk yeah, yeah, Benedict, the other guy. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Sorry, because. I got it. I get uh, confused because they looked alike. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not they gonna, do. Yes. I'm not going to like, uh, I'm not going to, um, I will subordinate my knowledge of Mike Post related TV shows to you. <laughs> but uh, no, Perry King was in um, Riptide, I think. Oh, Riptide. Yes, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> Another yeah. classic show. <laughs> yeah. And uh, now, okay. So Dirk Benedict is from your uh, hometown. Yes, and also okay. a professional wrestler that's not terribly well known called Kiwi, who was on the World uh, Championship Wrestling WCW, which was not as big as the WWF, okay. was in my class. Oh, okay, your class. Uh, yes, that, that specific. Okay. Yes. Um, <laughs> um, nice guy. Yes, very nice guy. Yeah, that, but that movie, The Wrestler, like with Mickey Rourke, like there's yes. a lot of truth in that because this guy still still does professional wrestling like in his late 40s and like he is really? up and he's in yeah mostly in europe and in yeah yeah it's a really hard life and with uh you know painkillers and yeah wow. yeah okay yeah. it's tough jeez okay so oh yeah that's uh <laughs> that's a downer <laughs> that's a downer <laughs> of an a ending downer. <laughs> no he's a very nice guy he was really funny and uh he's really funny and uh disarming and a performer and he was like the most popular guy in school obviously but he was a small guy and then he went to train with rick flair in atlanta and oh, wow. uh, okay. yeah they had like a factory that churned out professional wrestlers and he participated in that. So, I mean, he's, yeah, I mean, you can't get any better than, yeah, being a professional wrestler where I'm from. That's like the top of the food chain. That's even higher <laughs> okay. than being a high school. That's better than being a high school football star. That's a big deal. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Wrestling's big. Oh, wow. <laughs> okay. I, I, I didn't know that. I thought mm-hmm. that football was the thing in Hawaii. It especially. is a big deal. Yeah, it is a big thing. It is. But That's wrestling, the, yes. even more. Even more. Yeah. Huh. Okay. I learned tons of things today. That's awesome. (laughs) Okay, well, good. (laughs) All right. So, yeah, that's it for my questions. Um, I got to thank you for your time. Yeah, thank you. This was uh, fun. Yeah, I'm glad you enjoyed. I had a great time as well. (laughs) Where can we uh, reach you online? Uh, Yeah, Carly Anderson CO is my Twitter handle. All right. Thank you again. And I will uh, talk to you guys next week. Thank you.